A massive invasion of our country is underway, and President Biden and the radical left Democrats are letting it happen. In fact, they want it to happen. They encouraged it. Biden and his leftist allies have essentially erased our southern border with disastrous results for the sovereignty of the United States and the well-being of both U.S. citizens and illegal immigrants as drugs flood into the country and human trafficking skyrockets. Today, I'll tell you all about the latest shocking details with regard to our worsening border crisis. Then, in our Behind the Headlines segment, Greta Thunberg quietly retracts an environmental doomsday prediction. Portland, Oregon descends further into disorder and chaos. Kamala Harris is unable to describe her day-to-day duties, presumably because she doesn't understand her job. And it turns out that Biden's illegal bailout of Silicon Valley Bank will send U.S. tax dollars straight to companies that are directly tied to the Chinese Communist Party. I'm Doug Wardlow, and this is Founding Principles. It is time to go on offense. This is Founding Principles with Doug Wardlow. The U.S. southern border is completely secure. Forget what you may have heard elsewhere, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said so. It is an undisputed fact. He even testified to Congress that the border is secure, so it must be true, right? Well, it is secure if by secure you mean completely open and lawless. In the real world, the one we all live in, our southern border is essentially non-existent. It has been erased by Joe Biden and his lying lapdog Mayorkas. Drugs, especially fentanyl, are pouring across our border and killing Americans at levels never before seen. We are under attack. Take a look at this. That is the definition of border security in Joe Biden's America. Total chaos. Last week, more than 1,000 migrants, mostly Venezuelan, rushed the uh, Paso del Norte Bridge in an attempt to force their way into El Paso, Texas. The Border Patrol resorted to port hardening measures, erecting military-style barricades with things like barbed wire and concrete barriers while firing pepper spray and using other crowd control measures. This kind of thing simply should not be happening anywhere along any of our borders. But this isn't something that happens in a vacuum. For this to happen, there had to be a catalyst, something to get it moving. That catalyst is Joe Biden and the radical left Democrats' open border policy, something Biden has been touting ever since he stood on the Democrat primary stage in 2020. Listen to this. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Joe Biden told illegal immigrants to surge the border, and that is what they have been doing for over two years now. Biden's former press secretary, Jen Psaki, echoed the sentiment on March 11, 2021, after being reminded that the Mexican president had said that people coming to the United States illegally see Biden as the, quote, migrant president, and that they expect to reach and enter the United States. She gave this eloquent explanation of Biden's border policy. We certainly also recognize that because the president and our administration has made a decision that the way to humanely approach immigration is to allow for, um, you know, uh, for unaccompanied minors to come and be treated with humanity and, and be, uh, be uh, in, in, in safe uh, place uh, while we're considering, uh, while we're trying to get them into new home, into homes and sponsored homes, that uh, that 
some more may have come to our border. And there have been, of course, a, a, a large flow of children across the border. We recognize that, but we, that is that we made a policy decision because we felt it was the humane approach. But the facts are the vast, vast majority of people who come to our border are turned away. And the statistics bear that out. So did you catch that? The Biden administration made a policy decision that resulted in more unaccompanied minors coming to our border. It's a little more than more, however. They're they are encouraging illegal immigration, plain and simple, a lot of it. Words are powerful things, especially when they come from the leader of the free world and his underlings. Those words, and the many, many, many more like them that have come from Biden and the radical left Democrats, have transformed the impression of the United States in the minds of millions of would-be illegal immigrants. The migrant president gave them a reason to come, a reason to try, and they have obliged by the millions. In fact, Biden and the Democrats have done everything they can to increase illegal immigration and essentially erase our southern border. Just 100 days into his term, Biden stopped the construction of the border wall, attempted a halt to deportations for 100 days, suspended new enrollments in migrant protection protocols, also known as Remain in Mexico, terminated asylum cooperative agreements with Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, and ended prompt asylum case review for non-Mexicans and humanitarian asylum review programs for Mexicans. Those last two things are designed to speed up the removal process for those individuals. To make matters worse, Biden implemented a catch-and-release policy. In 2021, the Department of Homeland Security sent a memo that authorized, quote, alternatives to detention, supposedly to deal with overcrowding in detention facilities. The alternatives were things like check-ins by immigration officers and ankle bracelets. Instead of being detained, illegal immigrants are released into the United States to await their immigration hearing. In 2017, 43% of all aliens freed pending trial failed to appear in court, according to the Center for Immigration Studies. The Center for Immigration Studies also analyzed 10 immigration courts from September 2019 to late January 2020 and found that 7 out of 10 orders issued by those courts in cases, cases involving families were in absentia removal orders. That is, the families did not show up. No matter what Biden and the Democrats may say, massive numbers of catch-and-release aliens simply melt away into the country, free to roam and do what they may. Biden even took a wrecking ball to Immigration and Customs Enforcement nearly on day one, remaking that agency into something unrecognizable. New guidelines require agents to get prior approval from the agency director in Washington, D.C. before making an arrest outside of prisons or jails. They must explain how the arrest constitutes an appropriate allocation of limited resources, according to a memo obtained by the Washington Post. One ICE official, speaking on a condition of anonymity, said, quote, they've abolished ICE without abolishing ICE. ICE also stopped deporting criminal aliens for lesser offenses, claiming to focus on national security threats and serious offenders only. The acting director at the time described in an email that the, the offenses that would no longer be deportable offenses. He explained that, generally, deportable offenses, quote, would not include drug-based crimes, less serious offenses, simple assault, DUI, money laundering, property crimes, fraud, tax crimes, solicitation, or charges without convictions. That's a lot of different offenses. Then, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, laid things bare in the fall of 2021, saying, quote, The fact that an individual is a removable non-citizen should not alone be the basis of an enforcement action against them. Therefore, we are requiring and, frankly, empowering our workforce, critically empowering our workforce, to exercise their judgment, their law enforcement judgment, close quote. Okay, so basically he said that we are going to leave those who enter the country illegally alone unless they do something so heinous that we are forced to act. So what do you think that mindset and policy led to? 
Yes, that's right. The largest influx of migrants and other illegal entrants into our country in its history. In fiscal year 2022 alone, there were 2.38 million migrant encounters at the southern border. That number includes apprehensions and expulsions. That is a new record by far. In fiscal year 2021, there were 1.73 million encounters at the border, and in fiscal year 2020, there were just 458,000. So the number of illegal immigrants uh, border encounters for the last fiscal year was Fiscal year was five times what it was in fiscal 2020. Then look at this fiscal year. October, November, and December saw new higher monthly records, far, far higher levels compared to the prior year. Those numbers alone show the incendiary nature of Biden's border policies. He and the Democrats have been encouraging this mass influx of illegals with both word and deed. The numbers have quintupled in only two years. It is intentional. Why else would the numbers explode that quickly? And then we have the issue of gotaways, illegal immigrants who evade border agents but are detected by other forms of surveillance. The border encounter numbers don't include the gotaways. Last fiscal year, there were 600,000 gotaways. So far this year, just so far this year, there have already been 300,000. That begs another question. How many illegals evade both border agents and other forms of surveillance? We will never know, but it's probably a pretty high number. FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, did some detailed analysis and determined that as of October 2022, President Biden has let 5.5 million illegal immigrants into our country. That is about the population of the entire state of Minnesota. This is not simply illegal immigration. It is an invasion. And as it stands now, we are not in control of our own southern border. So, who is in control? Well... The Mexican drug cartels are, and they make billions trafficking people and drugs into our country. There are many reasons to secure the border, like maintaining our national sovereignty, but let's focus on the drugs for a moment, especially fentanyl. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid that is 50 to 100 times stronger than morphine. It is sometimes added to heroin or other drugs, or simply disguised as other drugs. Many people think they are purchasing heroin or other drugs and don't know they're actually getting fentanyl, and that increases the risk of overdose. Only two milligrams of fentanyl is a potentially lethal dose. In 2019, fentanyl overdose became the leading cause of death for young Americans. Our friend Communist China remains the primary source of the precursor chemicals that are manufactured into fentanyl by the Mexican drug cartels and moved through our porous border to kill Americans. John Modlin, chief border patrol agent for the Tucson sector, testified to Congress on February 7th of this year. After describing how the cartels control the border and how he simply does not have enough agents to do his job, he said this. Let's watch. Uh, Chief Modlin, we know that the majority of fentanyl seized was seized in the controlled environment ports of entry. Does that mean that we shouldn't worry about the cartels trafficking illicit narcotics, including deadly fentanyl, in between the ports of entry? Chairman, what I can tell you from my, my experience in Tucson sectors, last year we seized about 700 pounds of fentanyl, to, to give you an idea, based on, on the lethality of a dose of, of fentanyl, that's enough to kill everyone in Arizona 21 times, or basically half the population of the United States. And, and that was encountered, 52% of that, so the majority of that was encountered in the field. So that is predominantly um, being backpacked across the border. The other 48% the other was caught at our immigration checkpoints, sir. And that is only one sector. Over half of the drugs captured were out in the field, in the wide open spaces between port of entry checkpoints. In other words, the drugs are coming in from everywhere along the border. 
This last February, U.S. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz said agents in the Yuma, Arizona sector caught a single illegal migrant carrying 93 pounds of fentanyl in between checkpoints. That is enough fentanyl to kill about 20 million people. and was being carried by, carried by one person. The leftist talking point is that all the drugs come through the ports of entry, so migrants just coming across the border between the checkpoints aren't carrying drugs or trafficking anything. We should let them be, they say. Well, that simply isn't true. The truth is, we have no idea how much fentanyl evades detection between ports of entry. What we do know is that the cartels are using those areas to get their drugs across the border. And we know drugs are pouring into the country. The large checkpoints at the point of entry are heavily guarded and watched closely so we can catch more drugs, but even there, drugs do get through in large amounts. We are being overwhelmed everywhere. This is out of control. Even CNN was forced to finally agree last December. Our overstretched Border Patrol can't handle the massive influx of people, and the cartels are developing new tactics all the time. Recently, they have started using something called task saturation. Mr. Modlin described this in his testimony. The cartels send many individual migrants out over a large area of the border, forcing the Border Patrol to use up their manpower on many different small encounters simultaneously. Once the Border Patrol is engaged, the cartels strike with their main struggling force, a smuggling force, in now less defended areas. Technology can only do so, so much in the absence of officers, and we have to assume the cartels have some success with this new tactic. In short, we need to secure the ports of entry and the spaces between them, the entire border. That is the mission of the Border Patrol, to defend the whole border, not just the ports of entry. Here's what happens when we don't. According to the CDC, 107,375 people in the United States died of drug overdose in 2021, topping the 100,000 mark for the first time. 67% of those deaths were attributed to synthetic opioids like fentanyl. From April 2020 to April 2021, fentanyl alone killed 40,010 Americans in the 18 to 45 age group. For comparison, 4,586 U.S. troops were killed in Iraq from 2003 all the way through 2020. The DEA says that 80% of the fentanyl entering the country comes through the southern border via the drug cartels. They often use migrants as mules, as we have seen. This is a direct attack on our nation. They are killing our kids, our young adults, and they are making billions from it. The cartels get most of their precursor chemicals from China and then take advantage of our non-existent border to launch their assault against us. Interestingly, according to U.S. Customs and Border Protection data, Border Patrol agents encountered 2,999 Chinese nationals between October 2022 and January 2023. One year ago, during that same period, the number was just 366. So that's an increase of over 700% in one year. During the entire 2022 fiscal year, there were only 2,176 encounters with Chinese nationals. Could those PRC nationals be involved in the smuggling? One has to wonder. So how do we deal with this? How do we secure our border? First off, we don't listen to Joe Biden. Recently, a mother in Michigan lost two sons to fentanyl. She rightly pointed her finger at President Biden. Listen to how President Biden responded. She she was very specific recently saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. (laughs) Disgusting. He laughed. He blamed it on Trump. Seriously? That says it all. Biden doesn't take anything about our border seriously. He doesn't care who has erased the border policies hurt. It's terrible. To him, this isn't even a real issue. To Biden and the Democrats, the border is simply a tool to bring in as many illegal immigrants, supposedly Democrat voters, as possible. 
He may do some border security things in the short term, small things to make himself look tougher for, for political reasons, but he will not secure the border. He has proven that. And securing the border is the only thing, aside from destroying the drug cartels, that will stop this fentanyl menace. First, ICE and the Border Patrol need immediate funding increases. More officers, more surveillance tech, more weapons, more of everything. This is a war, and we must fund it like a war. Second, the president must make a primetime speech declaring that our border is closed to all those who would break any law to cross it. In the same way that Biden's words open the border in the minds of migrants, words can close it too. The tone of our nation's border policy must be changed. And third, ICE and the Border Patrol must be given near-unlimited freedom to conduct their business under very broad guidance from the executive branch to enforce all of our immigration laws. There should be massive delegation of all authority allowed under the law to those who are on the ground and know what works and what doesn't. But all of that requires a president who cares, and perhaps more importantly, who can be a strong leader and remain in control of the situation while delegating most of the authority to people actually on the ground. That is hard to do. Trump could and would do it. But Biden isn't capable of doing it, and he doesn't want to do it. Biden and the radical left want the border wide open. They want to import Democrat voters. They want to undermine America's sovereignty. Ultimately, they want to tear down our great country and build a socialist utopia in its place. But as we all know, the radical left's hope for utopia would in fact be a horrifying dystopia. And that is why the next election is so important. America itself hangs in the balance. And now it's time for Behind the Headlines. Well, if you like the content that we are providing, please go ahead and drop a comment in the comment section, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Doing each one of those things helps us tremendously. Now for Behind the Headlines. First up today, Greta Thunberg has reportedly deleted the 2018 tweet that claimed the world would end by 2023 unless we stopped using fossil fuels. Last time I checked, we still use fossil fuels, and I think it's 2023 right now. So, despite the radical left's best efforts, I don't think the world has ended. Now, I've covered climate alarmism quite a bit. While most Americans seem to have just accepted the falsehood that humans are contributing to uh, climate change in a meaningful way, they ignore the fact that most of the climate alarmists, or all of the climate alarmists' ridiculous predictions, uh, just simply don't come true. They never come true. Florida was supposed to be underwater. The polar bears were supposed to be ex extinct. The California coastline was supposed to be decimated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The claims go on and on and on. The predictions keep coming. They never come true. They never happen. None of it ever happens. The rise of Greta Thunberg into a worldwide celebrity, it signaled a shift in politics. Greta tells us all the same wrongheaded, false climate change dogma nonsense garbage that the left has been pushing for decades, but now it comes from a child. Who could argue with a child, the left asks, ignoring the fact that the radical left has brainwashed this particular child. The fact is, well, we shouldn't listen to children when it comes to policy and legislation and things like that. They are absolutely the last people that we should listen to. Why? Because they are kids. It's, it's really that simple. This is not rocket science. We, ad we are adults. We, we adults, we parents, we are supposed to guide kids and teach them, not vice versa. Our job is to guide the children, not vice versa. They don't have the wisdom and the experience and the knowledge they need to assess critical questions like climate change and policy questions and legislative changes and things like that. So this follow the kids thing is ridiculous. It's, it's reality turned upside down. Now, recently in my home state of Minnesota here, Lieutenant Governor Penny Flanagan made some remarks about the governor's terrible transgender sanctuary executive order. Addressing the subject of gender-confused children, the lieutenant governor said that if a child tells us who they are, we should believe them and listen to them. 
That's what being a good parent is. That's, that's what she said. Um, no, we absolutely should not do that, and that is the opposite of being a good parent. Again, we are the adults. Children rely on us for their basic needs, including the need to have the world and their place in it explained to them. For all of human history, we have prized the wisdom that comes with age. Sure, smart young adults can and do exist, young adults can and do exist, but just because little Timmy is good at algebra doesn't mean his parents should just relinquish their duty to instruct him on everything else about life. Parents especially, but adults more broadly, must continue to lead our nation. That is obvious. Only a bunch of lunatics would think otherwise. Unfortunately, a lot of millennials and Gen Z individuals who are of adult age don't seem to be acting as adults. They're more like overgrown children. Many have shown a high degree of immaturity in how they perceive the world. They're quick to complain. They ask for safe spaces. They break down when confronted with someone who presents a point of view that is different from their own. They can't handle any kind of conflict. They're just lost in this world. If our nation is to survive, we must ignore the radical voices and lead the younger among us to a more sane way of looking at the world. And we must teach them the value of life, the value of freedom, and the value of all those things that make America exceptional and great and unique in the world. All right, second up today. A disturbing video has been making the rounds on social media showing the streets of Portland, Oregon. It's just as disturbing as you might imagine. Trash and homeless encampments and disorder fill the streets. While not unique to Portland, it is definitely sad to see a once great city reduced to these kinds of deplorable conditions. Portland is a great example of failed leftist leadership. The state of Oregon and the city of Portland have been governed by Democrats for quite some time. The city has seemingly abandoned God and every founding principle this nation was ever founded upon. The result? Poverty, crime, hopelessness. Now, the left might blame the issue on systemic racism and capitalism. They certainly do that. Again, it's just Democrats, however, that run Portland. One might ask why every major city run by Democrats looks exactly the same. High crime, homelessness, hopelessness. Well, you know, that might be a good slogan for the Democrat Party. Certainly fits. Now, President Trump ran on many things in 2016. But one of the most insightful things he said on the campaign trail was this question. What do you have to lose? It's a powerful question, and it reflects a very sad reality. The radical left and swampy Republicans have sold out large parts of our country. Whether you're a conservative, liberal, or hardcore left-winger, you, you feel this and, and you know this. Maybe it's time we all collectively ask that question. Given the damage Joe Biden and the Democrats have done to our country and its great cities, what do we have to lose? Maybe the person who asked that question in 2016 is the same person who can lead us out of this mess. Third, Kamala Harris sat down with late-night comedian Stephen Colbert recently and proceeded to spew leftist nonsense as usual. Now, Colbert asked the vice president what her role as vice president looks like on a daily basis. The vice president responded by saying, quote, I have the great privilege of serving with Joe Biden, who is president of the United States. He is an extraordinary leader, and I wish that people could see what I see because there's only one person who sits behind that resolute desk, and he's an extraordinary leader. That's a complete non-answer. She was asked about what her daily duties are as vice president, and she just said some stuff about Joe and how great he is. Nonsense. Non-answer. So why would our vice president dodge a softball question about what she does every day as vice president? Well, a couple possibilities exist. The first possibility is the one jumped on by everyone and it's probably correct. She doesn't know her job. Both Kamala Harris and Joe Biden seem to be lost just about all the time. Biden, due to his feeble condition, and Harris because, well, she's never been that bright. It's possible that Harris wanders in no specific direction each day and just says wacky things. That's Definitely a possibility. However, a section, second option that's related to the first also exists. Remember when Joe Biden said that all he was looking for in a vice president, presidential running mate was that they would be a black woman? 
It, it seems that that might be the only job that President Biden has given Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris didn't get any traction when she ran for president herself. She isn't charismatic. She isn't a policy wonk. She doesn't have anything special to bring to the table. Her most memorable moment was calling Biden a racist segregationist. Imagine that. No, she only brought the leftist medal of being the preferred race and preferred gender. So maybe that's why she didn't answer the question. Maybe, maybe that's why, because she brings nothing to the table other than her diversity. Biden doesn't have anything for her to do except exist and allow Biden to parade around those two immutable characteristics that leftists care about so very much, except of you know, race and gender. Except, of course, that the left is now insane and claims that gender is not immutable or that it's immutable, but it's not the same as one sex, or that it's sometimes immutable if the person wants it to be, other times it's not, or that it's a state of mind, but one that's definite sometimes, but changeable sometimes on a spectrum or something like that. In other words, total confusion and total nonsense, but I digress. It's shameful that such a noble office as that of Vice President of the United States has been brought down several pegs by this administration. But if we have learned anything from the radical left, it's this, what we hold sacred, they will destroy. Fourth, and finally today, question. Will the Chinese Communist Party directly benefit from Joe Biden's bailout of Silicon Valley Bank? The answer is absolutely yes, they will in a very large and direct way. And this is somewhat shocking. Now, Silicon Valley Bank was one of the only banks willing to work with variable interest entities, or VIEs, which are used by Chinese companies seeking to raise foreign capital. Silicon Valley Bank reportedly had many Chinese VIE depositors including companies with direct ties to the CCP. Now, Biden's bailout will be funded by a special assessment on American banks. That's basically an indirect tax on the American people. So the Silicon Valley Bank bailout will end up sending American tax dollars straight to companies that are directly tied to the Chinese Communist Party. And by the way, Joe Biden has no legal authority to do any of this. So one has to ask this question. Did the Biden family's financial ties to CCP-linked companies influence the president's decision to order an illegal bailout of Silicon Valley Bank? Well, that answer may very well be yes. The evidence points in that direction, and this is a terrible thing for our country. Just imagine what's going on here. We have a bailout, an illegal bailout, because Biden is ignoring the FDIC $250,000 limit on deposit insurance, and he is, he's blowing through that and, and, and bailing out all of the depositors of Silicon Valley Bank. All of them, including foreign depositors, including, including Chinese variable interest entities that are linked to companies in China that are owned and controlled, at least in part, by the communist, the Chinese Communist Party. So we are sending American tax dollars, because this whole thing's gonna be funded by a, a special assessment on American banks, which means it's basically a tax on anybody who uses a bank in the United States of America, so tax dollars, essentially, are going to be flowing over to companies controlled by the CCP, directly helping our enemy, the CCP. It's a terrible thing. All Americans need to question Joe Biden's commitment to our country and his ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Well, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like the content we're providing, please go ahead and subscribe to our channel. Like the video. Drop a comment into the comment section. Doing each one of those things helps us, helps us tremendously. It will help us grow the show and multiply its impact. And tune in next time for Founding Principles with Doug Wardlow.